Today is Friday of the 31st week in Ordinary Time. This parable told by Jesus about the dishonest steward has driven everyone crazy, including the people who wrote it down. All kinds of faith-saving interpretations have been offered throughout the centuries to try to explain away Jesus commending a crook. None of these explanations are completely satisfactory, and I think we just have to live with its perplexing challenge. But among the various guesses, there is one educated guess I find more appealing than the others and would like to share with you. It is this. Long before Luke wrote this gospel, in his world, there was an ancient and venerable tradition of what we call trickster tales. That is, stories that for the moment neatly reversed the accepted power structure. Kings fell. Slaves rose. The powerful with their armies failed. The servant with the quick wit succeeded. That sort of thing. The Old Testament has its share of trickster stories. Joseph, the slave in Egypt who rises to royal position and power by interpreting the Pharaoh's dreams while the wise men couldn't, and the shepherd boy who was first passed over and becomes King David are such stories. The trickster tales, often humorous, provide us with the fantasy that just for once, everything is turned upside down. The powerful get their comeuppance while the powerless rise to the top. Masters are conned and servants are masters. When we read this parable in the light of a trickster tale, the storyline is that the servant has manipulated his master's money and is summarily dismissed as he should have been. He did an immoral deed. So out of a job, ashamed to beg, and unable to dig, what does the wily servant do? He adds insult to injury. Knowing that his master's debtors had not yet heard about his dismissal, he quickly calls upon them. They, in turn, thinking he is still legitimately acting on behalf of the master, are delighted when they are called in one by one to rewrite the terms of the notes more favorable to themselves. The deed is done. And now, for here is the heart of the matter, the master, when he finds out he has been tricked, is caught in a bind. Being very much a macho Mediterranean man, he can't very well lose face and let his debtors know that his dishonest servant pulled a fast one on him, has foxed him, had shamed him. He has a reputation to maintain and doesn't want to be known as a fool who can't even control his own servant. In a word, he's been had, and he has to live with it. The servant scored one on the master, the lowly over the great. More than that, the master later reconsiders it all, looks at his servant with a wry smile, and commends him. And the devious servant bows and turns away with a smile on his face. Now, the thing to note is that in Jesus' parable, 
the servant plays the role of a trickster. That is to say, the servant is portrayed not necessarily as a decent person to be imitated in his moral conduct, but rather as one more example of someone who subverts normal expectations, and in this role he is commended, because he sounds a familiar gospel theme, one that we've heard often before. You know the theme. The first, the master, will be last, and the last, the servant, will be first. Sinners will enter the kingdom before the so-called righteous. Those invited to the banquet will be excluded. The bums and the alleys will take their place. The boastful Pharisee up front will not enter the kingdom. The lowly publican in back striking his breast will. The rich man will wind up in hell. Poor Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And so here also. The message is this. In Jesus' in Jesus's kingdom... Be prepared to expect and do the unexpected and put one over on the sophisticates, the scoffers, the movers, and the shakers. Be spiritually clever and live by the surprises of the gospel where people forgive 70 times 7, go miles when forced to go 1, return good for evil, pray for enemies, Choose the last place, wash feet like a slave, and throw banquets for those who can never possibly repay them back. That will turn things upside down and unnerve your worldly masters. Why? Because to their amazement, you chose the road less traveled. You chose to live the paradoxes of the gospel, and to that degree, in gospel turns, you acted prudently. I'm Father Philip Dabney, a Redemptorist stationed here at Holy Redeemer in Washington, D.C.